You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pump fakes, looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to Hawk Talk Preview Edition Week 6. The Seattle Seahawks travel to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. We're going to send it over to Nassa Choby with these injury updates. Thanks, Bump. Well, we'll start with the obvious news. Starting quarterback Russell Wilson injured his finger last Thursday night against the Rams, hitting his finger on Aaron Donald's hand. Unfortunately, that required surgery, and according to head coach Pete Carroll, things went very well, all things considered. Russ had a very successful surgery, and uh, we're really happy with all of the reports, and uh, we don't have any timelines for you at all right now. So then that's all you want to hear, but we don't have anything like that. Um, but he's in, uh, in really good spirits and, and uh, really active today as much as he can be around us and all that, and, and uh, really happy f- for the results of you know the, the initial part of it. We haven't seen very many doctors that ever say, you know, well, it didn't go that well. But, uh, <laughs> but um, no, he, he went to a great doc and great setup and all that, and it seems like he really maxed out what he could possibly get done. Another thing to keep an eye out for is running back Chris Carson, who was held out last week with a neck injury. Pete Care hopes to get Chris Carson back tomorrow. I think we're going to hold him out. He went through the walkthrough today. I think we're going to hold him out today and, and bring him back tomorrow and see how he does. Lastly, to end on a positive note, fourth-round pick Trey Brown looks like he's ready to compete after returning from IR after missing the team's first five games with a knee injury. Here's head coach Pete Carroll. This is going to be a, a real week for him. Last week was the you know the partial week. Um, I've already talked to him about this is the time he comes back to action, and, and let's see if he can return to the, the level of play. When he got hurt, um, he was right at the verge of, of competing to be you know in the playtime. Play and... Uh, he done a lot of positive things, and unfortunately, his, his knee acted up, and he couldn't, you know, couldn't respond right then. But uh, so I'm going back to where he was, and I, like I said to him today, let's let's pick up where you left off and show us that you got your stuff together, and and let's see what that leaves you in the competition of it. So um, he'll be battling, but he's he's full go and ready to go. All right, now that we've talked about the injuries, let's get into it. The Pittsburgh Steelers versus Seattle Seahawks. What's on tap? What's on tap? The Seahawks are heading across the country after suffering a tough loss last Thursday to the Los Angeles Rams. They had a long weekend. They're back at it. They're on the practice field getting ready for these Pittsburgh Steelers, who are 2-3 and three on the season. Uh, they opened the season with an impressive win over the Buffalo Bills. That's the Bills' only loss, beating them 23-16. to 16. Then they had then things got hard, man. Three straight losses. They lost 26-17 to the Las Vegas Raiders, 24-10 to the Cincinnati Bengals and 27-17 to the Packers. So they are reeling three-game losing streak. And they went into that game on Sunday trying to get off that nod and uh, badly needing a victory. And they got that done, got a win over the Denver Broncos, 27-19. Um, ben Roethlisberger and the offensive line, it's been pretty noted that they've had struggles this year. It hasn't been a great year for them offensively um, and disappointing, but they got a huge win last week. Uh, Bump, the thing that jumped out to me last week was Najee Harris, man. Alabama's finest, ran for a career best, 122 yeah. yards and a touchdown. Um, he had a couple cramping issues in the second half, and he kind of had to sit on the sideline as Denver made a furious comeback, man. They were up by 18. 
Teddy Bridgewater brings him back. I love Teddy. Two touchdown passes in the fourth quarter. Unfortunately, the game came to an end on a fourth down heave with 11 seconds left. That was intercepted in the end zone. Steelers hold on to victory. Ben Roethlisberger finished the day. Probably one of his better performance of the season. Went 15 of 25 for 253 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. Yeah, Ben looked all right, man. You mentioned 15 to 25, 253, two touchdowns. Um, honestly, I thought Ben was going to have an okay season this year, but uh, he's starting to look old. But it always helps when you have a run game going. Najee Harris stepping up. Chase Claypool had five receptions, 130 yards, and one touchdowns. The Steelers' offensive line had their best game of the year, giving up just one sack. And Minka Fitzpatrick led all defenders with 10 tackles and one tackle for loss on the downside for the Steelers. Wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster went to the hospital with a shoulder injury. Probably not going to make it back for at least four months. Might be the rest of the year. That's unfortunate for that young man. But thankfully, they got a couple other receivers over there that can pick up the slack. But Juju, man, that has to hurt this offensive production. Yeah, no question. Juju's probably the most uh, dynamic electric player they have. But they're still talented offensively. And that's why it was kind of interesting why they're struggling so much um, on offense and just in general. So let's jump into this head-to-head comparison. Um, now looking at this, I'll start with defense again. Um, it's, uh, unfortunately I feel like I'm banging my head against the wall. I I hate to look at these defensive numbers because I know the coaching staff doesn't like it. I don't like looking at it. The Seahawks ranked 32nd to last in the NFL in total defense, giving up 450 yards a game. They ranked 31 in rush defense, giving up 145 yards on the ground and 30th in pass defense, giving up 305 through the air, 30th in the National Football League. On the flip side, the Steelers are pretty much in the middle of the pack. They are 16th in total defense, giving up 361 yards a game. They're pretty good stopping the run. They're ninth in the NFL, only giving up 100 yards per game. And through the air, they're giving up 260 yards, which is 19th in the NFL. And in points per game, they're allowing 22 points a game, which is 10th in the National Football League. So the Steelers are doing some good things. We're going to jump into the matchups there defensively. But when you look at this head-to-head, obviously the Steelers have a big-time advantage. And we're just waiting, Bump. We are just waiting for the Seahawks defensively to do what we know they can do and put four quarters together. We saw half last week or against the Rams. You know, we saw half against the Titans. We've seen streaks in times against the 49ers. We saw pretty close to a full game against the Colts. Uh, we're just waiting to see it all come together. And we know they can do it. They just have to eventually do it, man, because at this point in the year, it's time to go. It's time to go. I'm done with the appetizers. Give me the full meal. Now, let's talk about this offense, this new Geno Smith offense. Okay, now, these numbers don't reflect Geno, but he is the leader now of this offensive unit. All right, the offense is ranked 19th in the NFL, talking about the Seahawks averaging 351 yards per game. Uh, they're 19th in running the ball, averaging 104 yards per game, passing the rock. They're tied for 16th, averaging 247 yards per game. On the other side, the Steelers are ranked 27th averaging 319 total yards, 31st against uh, running the football, averaging 73.6 yards per game. And in the past, they are 19th, averaging 246 yards per game. This looks like a game that maybe the defense can get right. You have Ben Roethlisberger, who's not the Ben that he used to be. He's slow in the pocket. He's not very mobile. You lose Juju Smith-Schuster. But Najee Harris, like you said, just had one of his best performances as a rookie, 122 yards. They still got a couple good receivers over there. And the Hawks have played well back east. Okay, every week we're going to find ways to make you guys believe. Mm-hmm. I just gave you a few stats right there. Believe, baby, let's get it done. Know your history. Know your 
history. As you mentioned, Bump, the Seahawks have been very comfortable making these cross-country trips, and they are much better at those, not back when Bump played. We know we've, that's well-documented. <laughs> Things have changed in the current times. Series record against the Steelers and the Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks lead that all-time series 10-9, to including the postseason, with the Seahawks winning the last two matchups. Uh, if you remember their last meeting, that was in 2019. The Seahawks won 28-26 to in Week 2. Russell Wilson had a big day, throwing for 300 yards, three touchdowns. Ben Roethlisberger didn't play in the second half, left the game with an elbow injury that ended up ending his season, never played another down for them that year. Um, and then, the, so in that game, Pittsburgh trailed by two in the fourth quarter, and they kind of had the momentum. They are coming back in the game. Seahawks were facing a third and 20. Russell Wilson throws a jump ball to Tyler Lockett. Pass was incomplete, but if you guys remember 2019, you could challenge the pass interference rule. One of the few times throughout the whole league that someone <laughs> won a challenge, but Coach Carroll won that challenge. Um, and the 38-yard 30 yard penalty was a force. The Seahawks scored two plays later with DK Metcalf touchdown, juggling in the back of the end zone. The Steelers tried to make it interesting later in the game drew within two points once again, but Chris Carson iced the game with a two-yard gain on a fourth and one with two minutes remaining, and those boys took some knees. So it was good because that win snapped a really long losing streak in Pittsburgh against the Steelers, so the Seahawks are riding a winning streak against that bunch, so hopefully they can keep that going bump, but as we talk about every week, the NFC West is a problem for the entire football league, and they're still playing some good football. What's the word? Where my soldiers at? West side! Where my soldiers at? West side! And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West? On Hawk Talk. West, West, the West is still getting it done. Arizona Cardinals sitting at top of the division, 5-0. Los Angeles Rams right behind them at 4-1. The Hawks and the Niners, bottom two, sitting at 2-3. There was another battle in the NFC West this weekend. The Arizona Cardinals remain the only undefeated team in the NFL after beating the 49ers 17-0 in a defensive battle. We got a chance to look at Trey Lance for the first time. Got his first start, 15-29, 192 yards. Zero touchdowns, one interceptions, but he did lead the 49ers of rushing 89 yards, 16 carries, but he struggled to throw on the ball around. He looked like a rookie at times. However, one of the biggest plays of the game was when the 49ers went on a 13-play, 93-yard drive, but Trey Lance was stopped at the goal line on fourth and one in the second quarter. He should have went over the top there. He tried to slide underneath. I remember watching that game. I'm like, Trey Lance, you're a big boy. Go over the top there. And then the Cardinals went to half of 10 to zero coming out both teams traded touchdowns in the third quarter making the score 17 to 7 the 49ers kick a field goal with four minutes 12 seconds remaining in the game making the score 17 to zero the Niners were unable to get a stop as the Cardinals picked up a couple of first downs to ice the game and what makes things worse Trey Lance has a sprained knee but they're coming on a bye week they have a bye week here so there's time to get things right I saw good and bad with Trey Lance Nass, I saw a guy who was clearly athletic can really spin that football, but I saw an offense that was kind of handcuffed because they didn't want to do too much with the rookie. Um, I saw a big body, like I mentioned, at the goal line. You go over the top, young fella. You can't lower your shoulders and try to run over linebackers and safety. That's not going to happen. This is not big sky football or, or FCS football, wherever you came from. You got to get big and go over the top. But there's some promise in this young man. I mean, there's a couple of throws where I'm like, all right, I can kind of see what they're working with. It's, I'm interested to see how he looks now after having, what, a couple of weeks essentially to get right and try to figure some things out. Yeah, no, you mentioned it. There was good and bad from Trey Lance. Um 
he did a couple things, and it was kind of the accuracy for me. He missed a couple throws. Um, I think decision making a little bit. I mean, once once you're playing every down and bullets are flying and you're out there on the field, it gets difficult. I did notice that they really simplified the game plan down, and he's going to be. They're going to use him on the ground a lot. When he's in the game, they're going to run a lot of that stuff. I mean, he had 89 yards on 16 carries, so it's giving them the ball. That one touchdown, if you're a 49ers fan, you are sick to your stomach. You're like, oh, my goodness, is he about to get knocked out? Because that was a big hit that Simmons put on him on the goal line. It really would have changed the game because, you know, they ended up losing 17-10, to 10, but that that was a difference in the game right there. But, no, Trey Lance, I think uh, there's something there. We can see it, but he's a rookie. Yeah. It's going to take time. Um, especially trying to pick up that Shanahan offense, and Kyle's going to do the best he can to get him up, you know, upright and ready to go for their next matchup. And also, thing to look for is when uh, Jimmy G is going to come back. So mm-hmm. now they have some time back, so Jimmy's going to try to work back in. Trey Lance is banged up, trying to work back in. So the Niners are in a tough spot, but they're so are the Seattle Seahawks. You know that victory by the Cardinals. Uh, now the Seahawks are three games behind the division lead. Um, the Seahawks will play their next divisional game against those Cardinals on Sunday, November 21st. Hopefully that game will be with starting quarterback Russell Wilson. Um, yeah, the Seahawks, let's be frank, they got some work to do. Um, I'm not one to write them off of the division right now this early in the season. Um, with that being said, though, there's not a lot of room for error. You got three games. I know everyone downstairs and in this facility is concerned about Sunday, but just big picture thinking, you have a huge three week span here. We don't. Russell Wilson is hoping to target that Green Bay game to make his return. Now, if you can go three and zero and you go into the bye week five and three, I think you're just fine. Because listen, the Cardinals they're not going to go seventeen and zero. They're not going to go sixteen and one. They're not even going to go fifteen and two. Okay, so and you got two games against them, so you can get back in this division. But to get there, it starts this weekend against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's get in those matchups. Man up. Hey, who man's is this? Who man's is this? Man up, man up, man up. Man up on Hawk Talk. We started it. We always do with the quarterback. We're going to take a look at Ben Roethlisberger versus Seahawks defense. Now, Ben is a really interesting uh, player this year and just in general. He's had so much success in the National Football League. He has been a staple in the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. He's done a lot of great things. He's brought them to a Super Bowl. Um, In 2021, he's 124 for 195 with 1,286 yards, six touchdowns, four interceptions, and has been sacked 11 times. Now, if you're a Seattle fan, you think 11 times over five weeks, that's not that bad. That's, you know, we're used to seeing higher sack numbers here, but... He was only sacked 13 times in the 15 games he played last year. So obviously something is not going in their favor up front. I know a lot of the national narrative is that they're not playing well up front. Uh, Protections have been an issue and Ben isn't playing as good as he has in the past, completing 63% of his passes, six carries for nine yards on the season. So that needs, (laughs) that tells you the mobility, right? (laughs) Yeah. So the thing about me bump that I'm curious about. So last year, he uh, led the Steelers to a 12 and 4 record. They opened the year 11 and 0. There's guns blazing, everything was going good. They end up winning a division title, even though they they slipped down the stretch. And there's been a lot of whispers starting last year about Ben Roethlisberger. How much does he have left in the tank? What you know? There's I know there's contract disputes. He ended up taking less money going in this season, but the whispers have gotten louder. There's been some poor play. Um, last year he still did have 33 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, but it's been a, a struggle. What first of all, I guess number one, what have you seen from him specifically, and do you think this will be the last year that Ben suits up for the Steelers? 
Well, they hollering now. Ain't no whispers no more. People are <laughs> hollering about Ben Roethlisberger. And uh, I think this is his last season. I really do. And like I mentioned, I was one of the guys who thought that Ben was going to be okay. 33 touchdowns last year, 10 interceptions. You'll take that from any starter any year, honestly. But something has changed this year, and it's crazy what an offseason will do. Um, Mike Tomlin has done a great job of standing by him letting people know this is our quarterback. I'm going to ride with him as long as he wants to play. But you just look at his play. Like, he can't throw the ball down the field like he used to. He was never really mobile, but he was mobile enough, right, to get outside the pocket. He's a big, strong dude. He doesn't even look strong anymore. And it hurts when I talk about guys like Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, Drew because these are the guys we grew up on, right? right? These are the guys that we love seeing play. So it hurts for me to see him play the way he is right now. But I think it's done, man. And what what's next is where do you go from here? You don't, you don't go Kyle Rudolph. You don't uh, go Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins might be in Band-Aid for a year or whatnot, but I don't think they're going to be bad enough to have a high draft pick to get another quarterback either. So that's why this team is in a tough place. Yeah, no, that's hard. I mean, that's the other thing, too, when people were asking, you know, I think it was after their their loss to Green Bay. So they're, they'd lost three in a row, one and three in the year. And I think Tomlin was asked about Ben Roethlisberger, and he's like, are you kidding me? Of course Ben's our quarterback. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I'm, you know, without saying it, what else do you want us to do? Yeah. You really think one of the other quarterbacks gives us a better chance to win? That's not true. It, ben is not playing the level that he's been capable, that he was playing at earlier in his career, even a couple of years ago. So that's, that's obvious. But, I mean, he's their best option. And here's the thing. While... You know, we, I said whispers. You said people are hollering now. People are yelling. While that's true, you can't get, take this man lightly, man. You can't, especially nah. with how the Seahawks have performed defensively, at least statistically. He can still throw the ball. He'll still, he'll still if, if there are plays to be made, he will take them. So this is, but with that being said, this is a huge game for the Seahawks, and it's a lot of potential for them to really bounce back. You know, I mentioned earlier, you know, they're not doing well in the defensive categories. Through five games, the Seahawks are in the same position as they were in 2020, actually a tiny bit worse, meaning they're on a historic pace, um, giving up the most yards in NFL history, that kind of thing. We obviously know what happened at the end of last year. The last eight games, they turned it around. They became one of the best defenses in the National Football League and fixed all that stuff. And I have faith that the Seahawks can get there. They just have to – it has to start somewhere, right? You know, Paul Moore used to always talk about breaking the season up into quarters. The 17th game kind of messed all that up, but the same kind <laughs> of thought process. Last year, the Seahawks yeah. were horrific in the first quarter. Second quarter, there was improvement, but they weren't quite there. Third and fourth, as Pete Carroll preaches, can't win the game in the first quarter. They finished really strong. They started to get things corrected. Now, they have a huge opportunity to do that this week. You know, Ben, is, they're struggling to protect Ben Roethlisberger. He's not getting the ball downfield as much. So they need to find a way to get after him, number one, defensively, straight up. They need to pressure Ben Roethlisberger. The man will be a statue. He is not running anywhere. He's he's easier to bring down than he used to be because he is a big guy, so he wasn't the easiest dude to sack just because of his stature, but he's not that same guy anymore. So you're going to need to get pressure up front. And then in, in the back end, you know, it's been, it's been a thing. It's the middle of the field bump. Yep. It's the middle of the field, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in some of the matches, but the Seahawks need to – execute better in that phase of the game but like I said they have a huge opportunity to get after an aging QB and a struggling offense improvement needs to happen on all phases of the game and on defense should be the number one priority get after Ben that's their quarterback you know who our quarterback is Geno Smith Geno 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 you heard the 12s last Thursday let's go Geno 
Twelves got behind him, man. Twelves were chatting his name, and they kind of did it at the wrong time because you're on offense. You want it, you want it to be quiet yeah. in there. But I appreciate their excitement. They're like, "Look, man, we're gonna get behind our dude." And what did Gino do? He goes on a ten play, ninety eight yard drive, ended with a touchdown to DK Metcalf against the Rams last Thursday. Now, the last time someone not named Russell Wilson started a game at QB for the Seahawks was January first. 2012, rest in peace to Vars Jackson, who played that whole season on a torn peck, man. So Gino, man, Gino Smith, he hasn't he hasn't been a regular starter in the NFL since 2014. Spent four years with the Jets, one year with the Giants, one year with the Chargers before joining the Seahawks in 2020 season. Last Thursday, like I mentioned, um, he threw his first touchdown since week 12 of 2017. His career stats: 537. For 928, 6,346 yards, 30 touchdowns, 37 interceptions, 152 carries, 682 yards, and seven touchdowns. Now, I don't need Geno to be um, perfect. I don't need him to throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns. No, and you can't expect that from Geno. Geno's a pro. He's been in this league. He's been in some battles. He's going to be okay. I was just talking to my boy the other day. I go, man, what we need from Geno? 150. 200, one or two touchdowns, nothing too crazy. Hopefully 32 is healthy, ready to go. You hand the football off. But if there's ever a time for a defense to help this offense out, it has to be this week because you have Geno coming in as a backup. Now, he's a backup for a reason, but he's still a good backup. We saw that last week. The guy knows the offense. He's comfortable. He ain't shook out there. Oh, no question about it. It was We talked about it on the podcast after the game. It's unbelievable the resiliency he showed and just the poise to come into the game backed up on your two-yard line with the game on the line, needing to drive the whole way to score a touchdown, and he does it. He just looked smooth, calm, collected, took what the defense gave him, stepped up in the pocket, rolled out to his right, was flawless, and you loved what we saw there. And they're going against, you know, a Steelers defense, as we mentioned earlier. It's kind of middle of the pack. They're 16th in total defense, 19th against a pass, 9th against a run, which is pretty good, 10th in points per game. But... If you, they do have a couple big-name guys bump, and that is T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick. First of all, T.J. Watt has emerged as one of the best players in the National Football League. Doesn't matter, offense, defense, special teams, whatever. He's a three-time Pro yeah. Bowler the last three years, two-time first-team All-Pro in 2019 and 2020, had a career high in sacks in 2020 with 15, and so far this year he picked up right where he left off, five sacks, 14 tackles, 10 QB hits. You need to know where this man's lined up at all time because he will absolutely wreck a game faster than anyone in this league. Yeah, that last name means something, right? That yeah. last name, what means something. Now, Minka Fitzpatrick, something about those dang Bama boys, man. You line them up anywhere in this league, they're going to make plays in four years. He has 266 tackles. Talk about Minka Fitzpatrick. He has 11 interceptions, four touchdowns, three forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, five tackles for loss. 2021 so far, he's leading the team with 38 tackles and one tackle for loss. You have to know where this man is. If you check out my weekly film session, I broke down Minka Fitzpatrick, and it was a a simple play, Naz. He's in a soft zone. He's lined up over the tight end like most strong safeties do. Uh, The tight end just runs like a 68-yard route, and he just flies downhill and makes a tackle. Now, to most people, you're like, oh, yeah, he's supposed to do that downhill make a tackle. It's open field. That tight end is bigger than him, and it was just the play recognition. Like, he knows exactly what he's looking at. He's a savvy football player. No question about it, and he doesn't have any interceptions or any takeaways so far this year, but over in four years, he's taken the football away. That's a lot of interceptions for a strong safety-type player. So he's another guy that, you know, kind of makes his secondary go. He's the leader back there, and they're going to – 
Geno Smith's going to need to know where he is at all times. Those two guys are the ones that you don't want to have. If we're hearing their names all day long, it's going to be a rough day for Geno Smith in that offense. Um, as we mentioned, we need to get 32 the ball. 32, I'm assume, you know, assuming he gets back and is playing, you know, he needs probably get 20 carries. You need Alex Collins to be a nice changeup. The running game, without question. You know, it's been talked about all through this year, right? The Seahawks need to be able to run the ball when they need to. That's why you run the ball. So when you need to win a game, you need to take some time off the clock, you need to give your defense a rest, you need to be able to run the damn ball, right? Yep. If there's any week, if there's ever been a week ever, yeah, it's this week right now. Please. I would love to see Chris Carson have 20 carries, over 100 yards. It's so unbelievable to me that he has not gone over 100 yards since 2019. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, we know he was injured for most of the year last year, and we were throwing the ball a lot more as an offense. But Chris Carson is so talented; he's in such good shape. Um, I'm hoping that neck is all right. I'm hoping he can show some of that burst. We've seen it. We we saw it in half in against the Colts. We saw it for half against the uh, Vikings. So it's there. So hopefully the boys can help out running the football. Now talk about another running back bump, Najee Harris, man. Against uh, I I wrote down I wrote Najee Harris versus Steelers front seven. I think I meant to say (laughs) Najee Harris versus the Seahawks front seven. Um, This rookie man, he's got seventy eight carries, three hundred seven yards, two touchdowns, twenty eight receptions, one hundred ninety eight yards, and one touchdown. Coming off his best game as a pro against the Broncos, like I mentioned, 22 carries, 122 yards. And right now, they're not good at running the football. So last week was the first time they'd really shown they can actually do that. They're only averaging 73 yards per game, which is pretty low ranking in the NFL. That's actually 31st. So with that being said, though, they kind of got into a groove, and he kind of was a spark to this offense last week, Bump. Yeah, Najee, man. Again, another Bama boy doing the same. And you see the potential in Najee Harris. Like, you see it. You know, it just sometimes it takes – a few weeks to get guys going. And I think that's what we're seeing so far. So this year through five games, like you mentioned, they just aren't getting it done. Um, I think how they're going to use Najee or how I would do it if I were them. One, you got to do what we want the Hawks to do is give him the ball early, 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 get downhill and really test the Seahawks defensive line. I really expect them to do that, especially with an aging quarterback and Ben Roethlisberger. And then that should open things up. I'm giving you guys Steelers a scouting report. I don't do that. I, I you guys just, just turn the <laughs> ball over and don't get Najee going and, yeah, and make, make us look good. But yeah, that, that's, that's what you do. And Najee Harris, like you said, coming off his best game to see if he can back it up. All right. Another matchup, Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson versus Sidney Jones in DJ Reed. Chase Claypool, man. Honestly, one of my, favorite personalities in the NFL too, man. He's all over TikTok and Instagram making funny memes and all that stuff. This guy's 20 receptions, 341 yards, uh, one touchdown. Now Claypool was the Steelers second leading receiver in 2020 with 62 receptions, 873 yards and nine touchdowns. Deontay Johnson in 2021, 25 receptions, 305 yards, three touchdowns. Johnson led the Steelers in receiving in 2020 with 88 receptions, 923 yards with seven Touchdowns. Now, typically they have a three-headed monster with this receiving core, but like we mentioned, Juju Smith-Schuster will not play. Most likely out for the whole season with a dislocated shoulder that needed some surgery. Now, Juju had, oh, excuse me, with his whole career so far had 323 yards receptions, 3,855 yards and 26 touchdowns in 63 games, played over five years, um, and it was huge on third down. Never wish a man to be hurt. But yep. because Juju was hurt, they take some pressure off of this defense and takes away a big third down threat for Ben Roethlisberger. 
No question about it, man. I mean, uh, listening to Mike Tom, head coach Mike Tomlin for the Steelers, talk about missing Schuster, and then he said, of course, there's nothing you can do to replace a guy like that, a talent like that that's really helped this ball club over the last five years become a fan favorite down there. But he said it's going to give an opportunity for other guys to show up. He mentioned Claypool. He mentioned Johnson. There's other guys that are going to step up, and they have playmakers. So there's without question, they're going to be there. Um, now, as a secondary, the Seahawks are still going to have their hands full of those guys I just mentioned. And I'm still waiting for DJ Reed or Sidney Jones to get the first takeaway this season, right? Yeah. I went bold, hot take, whatever day it was last time on the preview podcast, and I really thought that they were going to get one. I was wrong, but I still have that faith. I feel like it's coming, right? DJ Reed has done that. In, in 2020, he showed he can take the ball away, right? Sidney Jones, when healthy, has been a good football player in this league. UW, standout, shout out UW. Uh, would have been a first-round pick if he didn't blow out his Achilles. So they have playmaking ability, and Sidney Jones has been in a, um, an adjustment process, I guess, right? Because he wasn't here to start. He wasn't through camp. He didn't do all the mini camp stuff. He hasn't been in the system forever. And the crazy thing, Bump, listen to this, man. Starting camp this year, the Seahawks had 10 cornerbacks. Now they only have three remaining on the roster here in Week 6, uh, DJ Reed, Gavin Heslop, and the – Trey Brown, who the Seahawks drafted as a rookie. Now, with that being said, that means that we are bidding farewell to Trey Flowers. Um, I know we got a lot of heat out here, but Trey Flowers is an absolute stand-up dude, one of the best players and people you will ever work with. Um, and I've had the pleasure of talking to Trey, and he's helped us out with tons of interviews over the years since he's been here. Been nothing but class, always done what he was asked to do. Played some really good football at times for the Seahawks. Yep. So uh, nothing, a lot of love for Trey Flowers. He was Big he meant, Trey. meant a lot to this organization. So good luck to wherever he ends up. Um, tough, tough deal there. But with that being said, so, you know, I brought that up because I'm kind of transitioning back into the adjustment period, right? So I think Sidney Jones is finally taking that step. And we have guys in there, Bless Austin, who we acquired, John Reed. Some of those guys are going to push to try to get in the game. But it's time, Bump, for this for this back seven. And that's everybody, oh. not just the corners, not the safeties, the linebackers, everybody to figure out a way to take away the middle of the field, right? Come on. Take away some of this underneath stuff, keep destroying the deeps. And, I, gosh, I know it's there. They've got to put the puzzle pieces there. It's the second quarter of the season. I really want to see this back seven come together and, and just make some plays. Quandre Diggs, you're taking the ball away. Have that spread out to the rest of the team. Jamal Adams, get some sacks, get your hand on the ball. Dislodge the football, force fumble. Because you can live with some of the stuff you're giving up over the middle if you're taking the ball away, if you're making big plays. So one or the other has to happen. They need to figure out how to eliminate the middle of the field, which has kind of been hurting the team, or figure out a way to take the ball away. And once they do one of those things, I'm telling you, man, things are going to take off for this defense. They're going to take off, take the ball away, takeaways, good things happen when you do that. Now, let's figure out how they're going to do that and talk about the path to victory. At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away, and that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. Well, we've been talking about it, man. Just what we were just saying starts on defense, man. The Seahawks can't give up these huge numbers we've seen so far this season. Every player on defense needs to step up, do their job on each given play, get lined up, execute your assignment, get to the football. This defensive unit is so talented. There's way too many impressive players, you know, all pro type, pro bowl talent on this defense. We have, our coaching staff is unbelievably talented as well. They have the personnel and the people that do it. It's just a matter of executing that on Sunday. 
They got to get after Big Ben, man. We know he is not a mobile quarterback. We got to get after him, man. And I feel bad talking about Big Ben like that because I like to do. But, man, get him on his butt. Sit him down. He was sacked 13 times all of last year. He's been sacked 11 times this year. That means that something's not right in the pass protection. Make that guy have to move. Make him have to step up. Daryl Taylor, I need like one or two out of you this week, baby. Let's go. Absolutely. I would love to see Daryl Taylor. First time we mentioned him, he's got four sacks on the year. He's about middle of the pack. I think the leader in the NFL has seven, so he's right there. It's a consistent pass rush. Would love to see him getting after it, man. Geno Smith, man, making his first starts in 2017. This game can't turn into a shootout. And I'm not saying I don't think Geno Smith can put up big numbers because I know he's capable of that without question, especially with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson, Gerald Everett's coming back. We know he can do those things. But that's not the recipe for the Seahawks to win. You know, he's he's we there's faith in Geno Smith. He's been in the Shane Waldron system since day one since he's been here. But this needs to be a game where the Seahawks sustain drives. This needs to be a game where you play field position when you need to. This needs to be a game where you don't turn the ball over. This needs to be a game where you when you get in the third quarter, you don't go punt, punt, punt. You possess the football, you go on long drives, and that'll help with Chris Carson running the football. But this can't be a shooter. I think if I think if the Seahawks keep the Steelers under under 25 points, they're absolutely going to win this football game. I'm with you. I'm with you. And also, how do you help Gino not get into a shootout? You kind of mentioned it, man. Run the football. Give it to Chris Carson. Give him 20 yards. Then give him some Alex Collins. I mean, Alex Collins did a good job last week, but I think we see that he's best with Chris Carson, right? Because yeah. their running styles are so different. Chris Carson's downhill. Alex Collins is going to make you miss. And we got to be better on third downs. Can't have zero points in the third quarter, which has happened in every game except for San Francisco. Get back to three and three. All right, these guys have an opportunity here heading into the bye week. You get a win. You get guys healthy. You got two weeks to prepare for the next opponent. I think it's that simple, man. Let's get it done. We told you how we're going to get it done, how the Seahawks, that for that matter, are going to get it done. Get back to 3-3 three and three this week. Reminder, you can hear us everywhere. Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. A lot of great podcasts on our podcast network. Seahawks Insiders, The Huddle, Hawks Live, Seahawks Stories, Seahawks Rewind, and Man Bump. I'm really excited for Sunday. It's been a long time without Seahawks football. We're ready to get back after it. If you're listening on the Seahawks Radio Network, we are live at 2 p.m. in the Seattle area, 3 p.m. on the Seahawks Radio Network. But Michael Bumpus, Robert Turbin, Ray Roberts, and Paul Moyer getting you ready for kickoff as the Seahawks take on these Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's get it done, Bump. All right, that was Hog Talk Preview Week 6. Seahawks are traveling to Pittsburgh to try to bounce back and make things right. I appreciate you guys listening to us. I am Michael Bumpus. He is Nash Chobi. Talk to you guys soon. <laughs>